just one of those days, sorry. <laughs> um, golly, I hadn't even gotten started yet, right? Uh, well, let me see if I can recover myself here. Um, we've been in a series uh, traveling through the book of Romans, and uh, well, before I get into that, let me give you just a couple of quick announcements. Kenny wasn't with us today, and so he's our announcement guy, and a couple of things I just wanted to let you know about. First of all, um, worship will be in the gym next week. Uh, I think many of y'all know we're planning on doing some renovations in here and doing some repainting and new lighting and refinishing the floors. And because of that, uh, after church today, we're asking any of our guys that are able to help us stack chairs, move the piano off the stage, and then if you have enough time, travel down to the gym and shoot some of those chairs out into the gym. Not asking to set them up, just get them out there. That'd be great. Um, and so know that that's coming up. So because of the construction that will be happening here over a two-week period, we're going to move worship into the gym next week. We hope you'll come out and join us. It's a different space. It's going to feel different. Um, it's going to feel like a big room, and we're not used to being in a big room. And uh, so we're, we've done some things like some special lighting, and we've got a couple of special things coming. And so we just hope that it'll be a wonderful time of worship next week. Um, uh, We've been in a series traveling through the book of Romans. Uh, we've come to Romans chapter 14 a couple of weeks ago. In Romans chapter 14, I felt like we needed to kind of gear down and spend some time in there because Romans chapter 14 deals with matters of conscience. That is gray areas of the Christian life, areas where the Bible doesn't give an explicit thou shalt or thou shalt not. Uh, we know that the biblical morality is unchanging, that biblical morality is uncompromising, but there are areas of the Christian life to which the Bible does not explicitly speak. You say, well, like what? Well, like going dancing, like going to the movies, like wearing a bikini, like getting a nose ring. The Bible doesn't say, thou shalt or thou shalt not do these things. And so because of that, there, God gives us Christian liberty to make a decision as to whether or not we feel like that's something we ought to pursue. We used a word over the last couple of weeks, the strong brother and the strong sister. These are people who understand their Christian liberty and that God gives the freedom of conscience to pursue those behaviors or those activities, again, where God's word doesn't explicitly say you should not or should or should not do this. And then we also defined over the last couple of weeks the weak brother or weak sisters and said that the weak has nothing to do with the quality of somebody's faith in Christ. It doesn't, it's not a, a, a determiner of what, where their commitment level is to Christ. It has nothing to do with that, but rather weak in the sense that they are unable to exercise Christian liberty in an area where the Bible does not explicitly speak. And so the Bible in Romans chapter 14 calls this the weak brother or the weak sister, either number one, because they don't understand that they have that liberty, or number two, because they may understand it in their head, but in their heart, the Holy Spirit has not given them freedom of conscience to go and pursue that activity. We also said in week one of the series that two followers of Christ can have very different outcomes or very different opinions on these gray areas. And it doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong because they're gray areas, right? You follow me? So we're talking about gray areas here. That's what Romans chapter 14 is all about. Again, it's not a disqualifier, 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 right? Because I want to make sure that we're not talking about biblical morality here. We're talking about the gray areas of the Christian life. Uh, we also said that no follower of Christ is 100% strong or 100% weak. We're all a combination of these. There might be areas where I'm strong and where you're weak and vice versa. Uh, and we also said that it is not unusual over time for somebody who is weak in a particular area to become strong in that area over the decades, over time. Maybe they have, it was a struggle for them at one time, and now it's not, and so we can move uh, within that. And so we also established last week by saying that there's a big danger in saying all of this because the strong brother or the strong sister may want to walk out of here and say, I've got liberty, I've got freedom, and so I'm going to go and exercise all of my freedom. And so that can be a really dangerous thing, and so we want to today talk to the strong brother or to the strong sister, which is in each of us, 
and we want to um, bring some balance back to this conversation. And so that's what Paul's going to do today. Our text comes from Romans chapter 14, verses 15 through 18, and verse 21. I'm going to ask if you would to stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. Here we go. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love, but what you eat do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. Verse 21, it is not good to, or, sorry, sorry, stop. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. You may be seated. I went to the um, optometrist this past week, and he said, you need readers. Um, so let me just do a quick broad stroke here uh, before we get too specific. Uh, and it's found over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23, and Paul kind of paints a broad stroke here. He says, all things are lawful for me. That was just a common saying amongst the Corinthians in their town. All things are lawful for me. But Paul comes and interjects and says, but not all things are helpful. He reminds me again of the statement that a lot of people around town would say, well, all things are lawful for me. Again, he's speaking about gray areas here, but not all things build up. What Paul means is that just because we have Christian liberty in some area, even if we have the freedom of conscience in some area, that does not automatically mean that it would be beneficial for us to participate in that activity. Over in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 13, Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, and freedom indeed they had. He says, Only do not use your freedom, that is your Christian liberty in gray areas, as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In other words, ministering to other people is more important. This is what the Bible is communicating here, that ministering to other people is more important than you and I being able to exercise our Christian liberty. And in his thinking, ministering to others becomes before uh, exercising liberty as a priority in life. So the bottom line of all this is that God measures spiritual maturity not by how much of our Christian liberty we are able to exercise, but rather God measures our maturity by how much of our liberty we are willing to defer for the sake of other people's spiritual walk with Christ, or for the sake of the work of God in the world. And so that's what God measures spiritual maturity by, not by the fact that I've got all these liberties or I feel all these liberties. This is how God defines spiritual, a spiritually mature person. Someone who says, for my sake, or for other people's sake, or for the work of the gospel, I know that I've got liberty, but I'm not going to use it because I've got bigger things in life to worry about. Many years ago, I remember I was at a church conference, Claire and I were there together, and Bob Russell was the featured speaker. Bob Russell was a pastor at that time of the, one of the largest churches in the country, Southeast Christian Church, and Bob Russell stood up and he shared with the congregation about some stuff, but one thing he said that's always stuck with me, and he said, I was um, at church one day, and he said, and a man came up to me, and he said, I drove by your house this past week. I was thinking about visiting the church for the first time, and I drove by your house. I wanted to see where you live, Okay. And he said to him, he said, hey, Bob, I, I see that you live in a modest home in a modest neighborhood. And I thought, well, this is the kind of pastor that I want to be able to go to church. I figured, you know, you're a pastor of a big church, probably living in some big mansion. I just figured you were all about money, and I just want to make sure that wasn't who you were. And so Bob very graciously greeted the man, very graciously talked to the man, welcomed him to the church, said he was glad for him to be there. And then the fellow went on his way. Then Bob turned to us as the congregation, or as the folks at the conference that day, and he said, um, he said, you know, you never know who's looking. You never know who's looking. And he said, are you willing to forgo your liberty for the sake of the gospel? 
Now, did that man have a right to have an opinion about where Bob Russell would live? No, he had no, no right to that at all. That was, it was wrong of him and immature of him, you might say, to have an opinion like that. Bob had every liberty to live wherever he wanted to live, but he chose not to. Why? Because he did not want to be a stumbling block to someone coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and that was all the reason that Bob Russell needed. That's a mature person, not a person who goes out and flaunts their liberty, but a person who is willing to forego their liberty for the sake of the gospel. Now, what I'd like to do with the time that I have remaining here is to give you some filters, five filters that the scriptures give us where this, where if we're, we're strong in an area, because we're all strong in certain areas, we're all weak in other areas, if we're strong in a certain area, why we might want to limit, limit or forego that liberty. Uh, and so if, if we're going to run these run that liberty through these filters, and if these filters, if it doesn't line up or if it gets hung up in these filters, we might want to consider either forgoing or limiting our liberty in that area. So here they are, five filters. Number one, if I do this, will it be harmful to me physically? If I do this, first filter, will it be harmful to me physically? First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 tells us that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, Paul goes on to say in verse 20, for you were bought with a price. You were bought. Jesus paid the price for you, not just for your sins, but he bought you. So glorify God in your body. Friends, there are a lot of gray area activities that we can do, but some of those liberties can damage or harm our bodies. And what this verse is telling us is that our bodies are not our property. I had somebody come up after me after church a couple of weeks ago and was talking about gray areas and said, you know, it seems like you're saying that this particular thing would be a gray area, but if, if you go a little further with it, you know, some of the stuff that seems to be gray that the Bible's not talking about could hurt your physical body. And so again, this is what this scripture is talking about here, that if that gray area, if that liberty that you have in a particular area would go on to harm your physical body, the Bible's telling us, look, that's one filter where, the, where that liberty is going to get hung up and we ought not do it. So my point is, before we exercise a Christian liberty, we need to run it through the filter of, hey, will this damage my physical body because my body doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. Second filter, number two, is if I do this, will it be helpful to me spiritually? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, middle of the verse says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Some translations say which so closely or easily entangles, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Bible says that you need to ask yourself, will this gray area that I'm contemplating have a positive effect on my spiritual life? Will it lead me to become a man of God or a woman of God, or is this something that's going to slow me down in my race with the Lord? Um, some of you watched the Braves game last night. I heard it turned out really great. I fell asleep before it was all done, but and sorry for those of you that were um, dvr so, uh, but anyhow, so maybe some of you all played baseball, maybe you watched the Braves game last night, but one of the things that you always see when you're watching a baseball game is you see the guy walk up into the on-deck circle, and one of the things he'll do is he stands there and he swings his bat, and he's kind of getting his muscles loosened up, warmed up, and he'll take this heavy donut-looking thing, this weight, and he'll place it on the end of his bat, slam it down the end of the bat, and then stand there and take some, you know, obviously he wouldn't do it when there's mics and stands and things around, and he'll stand there and he'll swing that bat, just kind of loosen his muscles up, get things kind of warmed up, so he's able to go up to the plate. Now, one of the things that you never see when somebody's playing baseball, is the guy walk out of the on-deck circle into the batter's box still with that donut on his back. I mean, the ball's coming 95 miles an hour. It's going to slow him down on coming through the strike zone, right? I mean, that would be crazy. That would be nuts. 
And so it's the same concept here. Why would I want to do something that would slow me down in my race with God? Some of you have watched basketball before, and you've seen athletes go out of the basketball court, and they've got those little ankle weights on their ankles, you know? And so they're out there, they're running their layups, they're doing some of their drills with their ankle weights on. But one of the things you never see is them still wearing those ankle weights when it's time for the tip-off, right? Because they wouldn't go into the game. They wouldn't go and, 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 and play the game with those ankle weights on. It would slow them down. That would be crazy. That would be nuts. Again, what the Bible is telling us here is that why would we want to run the Christian life? Why would we want to get into this, this, this race that we're running with the Lord with ankle weights on or with a weight on our back? That would be silly. That would be, that would be nuts. Now, if you don't mind, I like to go from preaching to meddling. <laughs> Can we do that? You're like, okay, whatever. All right. I want to say this, that there is no way that a believer in Jesus Christ can go to an R-rated movie with nudity and profanity and say that that movie was helpful to them in their spiritual walk with the Lord. There is no way that a follower of Christ can listen to a steady diet of acid rock and gangster rap music and claim that this is helping them build them into a man or woman of God. There is no way that a follower of Christ, some of you ladies might want to take that back for just a second, that a follower of Christ can read the articles in Cosmopolitan magazine and claim that they are untouched and unmoved by the material that is in there. There is just no way. Friends, we are running a race here. This eternity, we're investing in eternity here. And so we got to be smarter than this. we got to be smarter. And let me say also that God does not reward liberties in heaven. To, 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 to tout to God that I've got these liberties. I mean, God's not going to, when you get to heaven, going, well, you know what, you were super strong in like so many areas, and, and I want to reward you for that. No, friends, what God rewards is that we observe spiritual disciplines, that we run the race as lean and mean as we can, as effectively as we can for him. That's what God rewards. And you know, there's one other point to be made here, and that is that some of these things don't just slow us down spiritually, but they may actually damage us spiritually. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 12, again, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, talking about the gray areas, but I will not be dominated by anything. Some translations say I will refuse to be mastered by anything. In other words, some gray area activities are like sirens out there calling us onto the rocks, friends. That if we, get in, if we pursue those gray areas, or those gray areas can lead us to real destruction in our lives. They can gain mastery over our lives. There are many a wonderful Christian young man and Christian young women um, who have been caught up in gambling and caught up in sensuality and caught up in alcoholism that started out very innocent, just a couple of buddies hanging out on the weekend. And so God says, look, before you do those things, you had better run them through this filter of, will this damage me? Will this harm me in my spiritual walk with God? I mean, why would we want to put more donuts on our back, right? All right, number three, if I do this, filter number three, will it identify me with unrighteous things even though I'm not doing anything wrong? Flip over to Romans chapter 14, verse 16. We're getting into some of Paul's uh, discussion here in Romans. He says, so do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. And what God is saying here is don't do anything, don't exercise your liberty in any way such that people will be able to indict you or accuse you of doing something wrong. 
You may feel like I'm not doing anything wrong, but they may see it as wrong, and so we need to be careful about where we go, what we do, those sorts of things. Years ago, Claire and I lived down in South Georgia, and I served a church down in South Georgia, and one of the, uh, one of the leaders in that church, um, he had lived in that town, grown up in that town, and he'd always gone to the same bar- barber for like 40, I'm sure at least 40 years, and uh, the fellow that it was his barber decided he was going to sell the shop that he, lived, that he was working out of, the building, and move to just the one-seat location on another part of town, another shopping center, but it was, his little shop was right next door to kind of a seedy business in the community. I'll just let you figure that out and let you use your imaginations of what that might have been, but his thing was, do I drive my car to that retail location, park my car out in front of that store, and be seen by the community at walking in, you know, I'm just going in there to the barber shop, but again, it's right next door to a place where I wouldn't want to be associated with or I wouldn't want because that might potentially uh, cause somebody to stumble. Um, Did he have the liberty to go into whatever store he wants? Sure. But did he want anyone to mistake him for doing something that they thought might be unrighteous? And that was his concern. And so he opted in that occasion to forgo his liberty. I mean, a guy had been cutting his hair all those years, and he just decided, you know what, I just need to find a new barber. Filter number four. If I do this, Will I damage a brother or sister in Christ? If I do this, will I damage a brother or sister in Christ? This is a primary concern for Paul as he rolls through the text in Romans chapter 14. He says, Romans 14 and verse 15, we read a few moments ago. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat. Now remember, the issue that they're dealing with in Romans 14 is eating meat that had been sacrificed at the pagan temples. There was real disagreement about whether or not you should eat that meat that had been sacrificed at the pagan temples. And some people felt like, hey, look, it's not a problem. I'm, I, I don't feel a pain of conscience at all. Others thought that's just something we should stay away from. And so Paul says, look, if you decide that you're going to eat that meat anyway, then you no longer are walking in love. That's what he's saying there. So by what you eat, and I would expand that to say by the exercise of any Christian liberty, destroy the one for whom Christ died, Verse 18, whoever thus serves Christ or whoever is willing to limit his or her liberty for the sake of a brother in Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. Say, Gordon, I'm I'm not quite sure I understand this. Um, I mean, how can I, by exercising my Christian liberty, right, something that the Bible doesn't explicitly say, thou shalt, thou shalt not, how can I, by, uh, by exercising my Christian liberty, destroy somebody else in their walk with God. Well, sometimes we can encourage a fellow believer to do things that they do not have the freedom of conscience to do. And they've got to go home and they've got to confess it to God. And sometimes we could even draw that person by being around us while we're participating in that activity, while we're participating in that Christian liberty. We could draw them back into something that they had left behind years ago that not only did they not have the freedom of conscience to do, but they they didn't have any reason to be... uh, participate in that anymore at all because it might draw them back into that behavior for example ladies do you have christian liberty to wear short skirts of course you do ladies do you have christian liberty to wear a a dress to the dance it looks like it shrunk up from you know both ends if you know what i'm talking about right sure of course you do but ladies if you do that might it potentially lead your christian brother who's been trying to do right and think right and it calls him to stumble well that is possible So by wearing those kinds of things, are you walking in love toward your Christian brother? Something to think about. 
That's why the Bible says, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9, women should adorn themselves in respectable parable, apparel with modesty and self-control. And if we were to take a poll in here of all the ladies in the room as to what modesty is, we'd get very, I mean, the spectrum would be wide as to what, that, what modesty is. And so even figuring that out is, is, is a matter of Christian liberty. But anyhow, the Bible is telling, instructing us here, let's not do something that might cause our brother, might cause our sister in Christ to stumble. The point of all this is to say that a mature follower of Jesus Christ is a person who has the attitude of, hey, I care so much about the spiritual well-being of my brother in Christ, and I care so much about the spiritual well-being of my sister in Christ that any liberty that I have to forego to avoid destroying my Christian brother, I'm willing to forego that. Romans chapter 14 and verse 21, we read this at the beginning, it is good not to eat meat or drink wine, and I'll add to go to the movies, play cards, wear mini skirts, or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Friends, people and their walk with Christ are more important than my Christian liberty. Amen? Filter number five, and I mean, friends, that is, that is straight from the book, right? Filter number five, and finally, if I do this, will it hurt my platform with non-believers? If I do this, Will it hurt my platform with non-believers? You know, at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the apostle Paul lists off the rights and the liberties that he has as an apostle. He literally goes through a whole bunch of stuff. He says, I can do this. I have the right to do this. I can do this. I feel freedom of conscience to do this. He gives a whole long list of stuff. But what he is going to say is, I have liberty to do all these things. But what he concludes is 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 12, we have not made use of any of these rights. I have foregone all these rights. I've released my hands off of all these rights. I've not used any of these liberties. Instead, we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. He goes on to say in verse 19, For though I am free, and I am free, Paul was free to do any of these gray area things, I have made myself a servant of all, to the ex that is, to the expectations of other people, that I might win more of them. Paul says, I'm so passionate about winning people to Jesus Christ that I'm willing to forgo any liberty that I have um, in my Christian walk. Friends, once we go public for Jesus, people start watching. And Bob Russell was wise enough to realize that. And it doesn't make any difference if their expectations are right or wrong. The important point is that those expectations that people hold are real. And they're serious about them. And when we, by exercising some Christian liberty, step across those expectations and lose our chance to share Christ with them, we blow our credibility with them. I mean, it's devastating. You know, you work so hard to try and open somebody's heart to the gospel. Ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to draw them to himself. But friends, we are there as well, planting the seeds and watering the seeds. And we work so hard. Why would we want to blow all that? because we wanted to exercise some Christian liberties. Paul's asking that question. Friends, um, may I say that if you're here this morning and you have never entered into a real and personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that I am sure that you know followers of Christ who have blown your expectation of what a Christian should do and what a Christian should be. Um, because Christian, and it's true, and, and I'm not surprised by that, because you're talking about real people here, right? Christianity is not based on my performance. Christianity is not verified as true because Gordon never sinned. 
Christianity is verified as true because we serve a Savior who never sinned. We serve a Savior who is, was perfect and is perfect and is holy. And until we can unwind that and put, blow holes in that, friends, then Christianity stands the test of time. Christianity is based on Jesus, not on the performance of his believers, of his followers. So when you join our ranks, which I hope you will, you, you will still struggle and you will make mistakes. It, Christianity is not an invitation to become perfect. Christianity is an invitation to become forgiven. And so if you've been holding back coming to faith in Christ because of how you've seen some other Christians behaving, friends, hold back no longer. Because our faith is not based in what other people do. Our, our faith is based in who Jesus is. Something to think about. Having said that, it's still no excuse for us as followers of Christ to flaunt our liberty and to not take this seriously. You say, Gordon, I just don't think this is fair. <laughs> I mean, i got to take a little time out here for a second. I'm not sure that this is fair. I mean, why should I let some non-believer whom I don't even, perhaps don't even know, limit how I live my life? Why should I allow them to have an influence on where I live or what neighborhood, all this, you know, why should I do that? Well, friends, the Bible is very clear. Paul's answer to that is very simple. Because eternity is in view. We're talking about somebody's soul here. And so whatever sacrifice Paul needed to make, he's encouraging us to make for the sake of winning people to Jesus Christ. All right, let's summarize. What have we learned? We've learned that if you're a strong brother or strong sister in Christ, that's wonderful. And we all are in different areas. If you have liberty to exercise your freedom in Christ in gray areas, that's fabulous. But there are five filters that God wants for us to run that action through before we do it. Number one, if I do this, will it harm me physically? My body's not my own. Number two, if I do this, will it be good for me spiritually? Is this going to help me become a man or woman of God? Number three, if I do this, will it cause people to think that I'm doing something wrong, even though I know that I'm not? Number four, if I do this, will it damage the spiritual life of another Christian brother or Christian sister and cause them to stumble? And finally, number five, if I do this, will it compromise my evangelistic platform with people? All right, well, that's our treatment of this text and this topic for today. Um, and so that means it's time to ask the question we ask every week around here. What difference, or what, yeah, I think that's the question, right? What difference, it, I feel like it's been a little bit, but anyhow, what difference does this make? my life. Um, you say, Gordon, you know, if I was to follow all five of these filters, I mean, I wouldn't do anything. <laughs> you basically, like, I feel like I would just be taking away all Christian liberty. I'd always find somebody who'd have some problem with something that I'm doing in one of these gray areas where the Bible doesn't explicitly speak. So, I mean, what difference does saying this make to me? I mean, shouldn't there be a point, right, at which I say, okay, time out. You know, you're, we're, how you feel about things, um, enough is enough. Where do we draw that line and say, that's as much of my liberty as I am comfortable foregoing? Where is that line? Well, that's a really great question. And the answer is, and I'll close with this, is that there is a line where we have to say, that's as much of my liberty as I am comfortable limiting. But where that line is drawn, I can't tell you. That's a matter of liberty as well. Because even where we draw that line, um, 
it depends on circumstances. It depends on the environment in which we're in and the people that we know that we're around. And um, So we may draw that line in one place around some people. We may draw that line in other places around other people. And so God says um, that we need to draw that line wherever he and you feel it should be drawn. And it might be a different place for you than it is for the pastor of a church. It may be a different place for you than for your Christian brother who grew up in a somewhat legalistic background. Different for you than for your Christian sister who grew up in a household where there were no boundaries and where there were no structures. So it's okay to draw that line and say, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to go on and live my Christian life and my liberties here. But on the other side of that line, what you and I need to be aware of is that there needs to be things on the other side where we are willing to forgo rather than damage people or the work of God. I hope, I hope that this series has been something that's perhaps created some conversation around your household, caused you to stop and think about some of the things that you do and look around, be a little bit more aware of your environment, of your surroundings, of the people that are watching your life. Um, if you've, if you've uh, been identified by the people at your workplace as a strong believer, Maybe that might mean you want to gear back on some of the liberties that you feel that you are entitled to or that you have. Um, but in all of this, what I hope is that you'll take what the Scripture has to say and these filters that the Scripture gives us and that we'll begin to put them into practice. And friends, they will be a blessing to your life. Let's pray together. Most gracious God, we thank you so much um, for speaking to us over these past weeks of reminding us of uh, it's not all cut and dry in life. There are things, Lord, to which you have spoken clearly, and we want to walk in obedience in those, Lord, and there's no compromising on those issues, and if the culture wants to think one thing, Lord, we're just going to go with what you think. But, Lord, where you haven't written it down, where you haven't spoken clearly, you give us liberty. Help us, God, to listen to your Holy Spirit, obey your Holy Spirit and your leading and Lord, just yield those things to you uh, where you're asking us. Lord, we submit this quiet time to you. Pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage us, instruct us. We give you this space. We pray these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen.